So Money Episode 8, Robert Kiyosaki. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Today's guest is a financial icon, and I'm pretty sure you know who he is. I'm even more certain you've heard of his book, Robert Kiyosaki. He's the author of the international bestseller, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He joins us today. Robert published that book back in 1997, and since then, he's gone on to become a passionate and outspoken advocate for financial education. And this year, he has a brand new book out. It's called Second Chance. It details the three parts of our financial lives, the past, present, and future, and how we can guide ourselves through the next turbulent market, which according to Robert, isn't so far away. You'll definitely want to hear what he has to say. In fact, I was pretty taken aback. So without further ado, here is Robert Kiyosaki. Robert Kiyosaki, welcome to So Money. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You know, obviously you're known as uh, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the number one personal finance book of all time, over 25 million copies sold. The book, you actually self-published this in 1997, and then in 2000, it became widely distributed. It is perhaps the most referenced, one of the most referenced personal finance books. And as an author in the personal finance space, this is one of the books that I read to help guide me in my work. And now you have a new book. And so my first question is, it seems, Robert, you know, you've said it all. You've said everything there has to be said about how Americans and, the, and people around the world should be managing their money, building wealth. What made you want to write this new book? What was, what was in this book that you felt you hadn't said yet? Well, the new book uh, is called A Second Chance. And it's really about one of my mentors. I've had many mentors. And one of my mentors is a man named Dr. R. Buckminster Fuller. He's most well-known possibly for the geodesic dome. But he was known as a futurist. He could see the, they call him the man who could see the futurist, uh, see the future. But he's the first guy that kind of systematized how a person sees the future. So I began studying with Fuller back in 1967, if you can imagine that. And I hitchhiked from New York City, where I was in school, and I hitchhiked to Montreal, Canada, to see Expo 67. But more importantly, I wanted to see Bucky's Geodesic Dome, which was a U.S. pavilion at the World's Fair in Montreal. And the Montreal World's Fair in 67 was the exposition on the future. So I wanted to see the future. And over the time... I've had the pleasure and the benefit of studying with Fuller three times, and each time I could better see the future. What is the future of uh, of money in 2015 in the future? Well, uh, let me say this much. On the big picture, the rich, as you know, are getting richer, and unfortunately the poor and middle class are getting poorer. And that's why I wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I said, you savers are losers. 
Your house is not an asset, and the rich don't work for money. And what I was doing was preparing people for now. This is the future. So as you know, the book Rich Dad Poor Dad came out in 1997. I said, your house is not an asset, and I was trashed by almost every financial person going, how can you say that, you know? And then what happens in 2007, the world found out that your house is not an asset when the subprime mortgage crashed. So the Rich Dad Poor Dad was kind of the warning bell. In 2002, I came out with Rich Dad's Prophecy, and I said the biggest stock market crash in history would come in 2016, again because of what Dr. Fuller taught me on how to predict the future. But as you know, as 2016 comes up, um, if I am correct, then we are in serious trouble. Do you still now, think? Do you still like, think? You still think we could st- see a crash in 2016? I wouldn't say it unless I thought it was possible. Mm. And, and, and it's not a stock market. And this is the point. Okay, this is not a stock market crash. Okay. So there are three basic types. There's a lot of crashes, but the three basic type of crashes are stock market crashes, and we all saw that in 2007 and a real estate crash, which we saw in 2007. But the next crash will be a currency collapse. And the currency collapse is very, very different than a stock market crash and a real estate crash. So my, so this next book called A Second Chance is about what happens and what's going to happen because everything, almost everything I have said has come true. So Second Chance is an opportunity to prepare for one of the biggest economic calamities ever seen in world history. I, I don't I don't want to sound like an alarmist or a, a pessimist, but I would be, uh, you know, not responsible if I didn't say what I could see. May I ask, what would a currency collapse feel like to the average American? We know what a housing crisis feels like. It means losing your home. It means, you know, losing your most important possession perhaps if you lost it in foreclosure and then a you know financial crisis a stock market crash could mean losing your retirement it could mean losing your job can you paint the picture of what a currency crisis could look like and and how to, how that would materialize for the average american well thank you for that that is a very intelligent question and i appreciate the question it, i have studied currency collapses for most of my life after studying with fuller began to look at. Now, the United States has had currency collapses. It was called a continental back in the Civil uh, Revolutionary War. And then the Confederate dollar collapsed. And what happens, the whole economy goes down. It's over. So every, so not everybody's in real estate, but not, and not everybody's in the stock market, but all of us have work for currency. So to understand what a currency collapse looks like, in Second Chance, my latest book coming out, I go into what led up to it. Now, the thing is, with Second Chance, I use pictures and not words. So even a 10-year-old kid can understand what a currency collapse looks like, what is coming up and all this stuff. There have been these collapses. There was a collapse in 1923 in Germany. It was called the Reichsmark Collapse, which led to the rise of Adolf Hitler in 1933. And then the latest collapse was in Zimbabwe which collapsed, the Zimbabwe dollar collapsed in 2008. The problem is this next collapse is based upon the U.S. dollar. Mm. And the U.S. dollar, as you may or may not know, is the reserve currency of the world. So just in October 25th, 2014, The Economist said, and the very respected magazine, says that the euro is going to collapse. 
And most Americans don't read The Economist. They go, what does that mean? <laughs> so this is, and so the reason I wrote my book, Second Chance, is for people to go read it, understand it, and then maybe start thinking about what can you do, because we've, we've never been here before in history. Never. Right. Never has the whole world been dependent upon one currency, which is the U.S. dollar. And that's why I wrote Second Chance. What can we do in the next 12 months? What's one? We don't have time, obviously, to go through all the book. I want people to read the book as well. Um, if you wouldn't mind just sharing maybe one really important bit of advice for listeners who... You are you are really good. I am impressed. <laughs> well... I'm, I'm, I'm not blowing smoke, but I get into arguments. Like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. It's just like when Rich Dad Poor Dad came out. Well, you don't know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? That's a very important question. So... The way you see the future is study the past. So second chance comes in three parts. One is the past. And again, please don't think it's an economics book, which it is, but it's all in pictures or in charts and graphs, so it's very easy to understand, so a kid could understand it. Part two of the book is the present. What can you do today? And part three of the book is the future. And the future is about what kind of education you need to not be a victim in the collapse. All right, Robert, this is the part of the interview now where we really dive into you, your background, your financial philosophies, fears, failures, successes. Are you ready? Absolutely. Okay. Well, the first question I like to ask all of my guests is for their money mantra. What is one financial philosophy that helps you keep your wealth and your your finances on the right path? That's a tough question, you know. <laughs> I would say this. Let's go back to something we all have heard. I hear so many people say, oh, money is not that important to me. And I go, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding me? You know what I mean? Are you kidding me? And it's, a lot of other things people say is, oh, money won't make you happy. Well, well are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and so what I'm saying is that what I listen to a lot of the times when I'm talking to journalists and people and you know what can i do is number one you've got to listen to your attitude i mean you know that person that is does the speak oh money's not that important to me but the guy's working in a dead-end job so well why in a dead-end job then if money's not that important Mm. a lot of the times people do not really listen to their thoughts or what they say that affects their lives you know i'm not very religious but in sunday school they said and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us so if you say, well, I'm not interested in money, then money's not interested in you. Right. And if money doesn't make you happy, then why don't you go do something that makes you happy? You know what I mean? But they're stuck in this dead-end job. So most of it starts between your ears, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so what, what, I, what I pay attention to is what I'm saying to myself. And money is important to me. That's what I say. And to have understand you know, that you can have a relationship with money, right? People, you you do whether you you know, you know it or not. You do have a, a relationship with money. It could be contentious. It could be it could be happy. It could be miserable. But um, you have to have that awareness. I hate to, I hate to say this, but for ninety nine percent of the people, it's survival. Mm-hmm. If you don't have cash, you know, I mean, you don't eat. You don't. You can't ride. You can't buy a car and you know, have a house. You know, it's it's life. Right. So when you say it's not that important, you say, well, my life's not that important. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't necessarily buy happiness, but boy, having money in the bank sure makes me feel good. <laughs> Amen, brother. You know, I mean, sorry. <laughs> what, what, what can I say? You've really got to listen to what you say to yourself about money. 
you've really got to pay yeah. attention to what the commentator inside of you would say, oh, you know, rich yeah. people are evil, you know, I'll never be happy, right, I'll never right. be good. You know, if you don't control that dialogue inside yourself, I don't think you can make it. You've I got agree. to control that conversation with yourself. Yes, yes. Very, very true. In in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert, you talk uh, obviously a lot about your childhood growing up uh, in Hawaii. So this next question is really about money memories. And what may be one significant memory from your childhood that stands out from a financial perspective? I love you. I love you. And it's a wonderful question. Because what really shaped my life was when I was seven years old. I was living in a little town called Hilo, Hawaii. My father was going for his Ph.D., and he was working, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we had no money as a family. I'm the oldest of four kids. And when I was seven years old, I, I woke up, and I found my mother sitting at the kitchen table crying. I said, why are you crying, Mom? She says, we don't have any money. You know, Dad's in school. He's struggling. And she showed me her, her bank statement from the bank, and back then, Bank statements were hand-typed, you know know what I mean? And it came on a paper called Golden Right, kind of an orange-yellow. And it starts off, she deposits her, my dad's paycheck, and it's black, you know, bum, 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 and then it turns red. Red means she's overdrawn. And she showed me like four months' worth of uh, bank statements, and the red kept growing. And I said, "Why, why isn't dad helping you? You know, I didn't understand. And I got so angry that my mom was crying, that changed my future. I said, I'll never be like my poor dad. There's nothing like seeing a parent, as a child, seeing a parent hit rock bottom and cry. I had a similar experience yeah. with my mother, and it's a story that I share because it, it truly, it, that, in that moment, your life changes. Right. And a lot of people get angry at somebody else, and I got angry at my dad, but I said, I'm angry at myself too, you know? And which, which brought up the question is, uh, why don't we teach about money at school? Why don't we have any financial education at school? Because my dad was in school, but he learned nothing about money. He was a Ph.D. Does that make sense to you? It does. You know, but sometimes I wonder, money is such a – it's so abstract that you almost have to live it to understand it. You have to experience yeah. it to really understand it. And I, I just wonder – I mean, I don't remember much – of what I learned in grade school. I mean, I remember my experiences. I remember my friends. I remember my teachers. Of course, I learned something along the way. I had to. But um, I just wonder if all this emphasis on financial literacy in the schools, you know, it's not enough to just throw a textbook at a kid. You have to really apply it in a way that it is, they learn and that they, they grasp it and that it doesn't just become, you know, a memory that they vaguely recall. Correct. There is no financial education in school because most of it is financial advice. It's different than education and advice. But the way I learned about money was from my, my rich dad, my best friend's father. Right. And he just started me playing Monopoly. See, we learn by doing. Right, so exactly. The best way to learn. So today I own hotels, I own houses, golf courses, oil wells. I just still play Monopoly. And anybody could do it. Financial failure, Robert. This is a, a part of my interview where I like to ask my guests about a moment that they define as a failure, financially speaking. It could be large, it could be minor, but it's something that you know you haven't quite gotten over. But perhaps it te- it taught you how to grow or or think differently as a result. 
it's not like there's one event. Do, do, do you know what I mean? I mean, people think failure is bad. That's what I'm saying. The money starts between your ears. I look for it, and I don't like failing, but I know if I'm failing, I'm, I'm doing something. I'm going to get smarter. So everybody wants to know, well, you know, I've lost millions, I've made millions and all this. Most people haven't lost 100000 yet, and that's why they're not going to be rich. For them, $100,000 loss is a big loss. Or they lose 10 bucks, it's a big loss. It's because of what they think about failure. Hmm. What is failure? That would be like punishing a child for falling down. Oh, you'll never walk now, you stupid kid. You fell down. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? It's I do. Failure is bad. Failure is how we learn. Right. And you talk about in your in your writing that, you know, in school, you're, like you said, you're, we're taught that failure is bad, so we don't take risks. We don't think outside the box. We don't... Um, you know, think on our feet because we're afraid of failure and punishment as a result. Yes. Like I said, in Second Chance, that's part three. It is what is really financial education. And so the reason I recommend playing Monopoly or something like that, if you look at it, the most successful people fail the most. It is so opposite. For example, I was, you know, I was watching Tiger Woods practice one day on the golf course. That boy has hit more golf balls in a day than I'll hit in my lifetime. Do you know what I mean? He, yeah. he practices failing so much that he's successful. Well, speaking of success, Robert, tell us one financial moment that you're really proud of, as I call it in this uh, podcast, your so money moment. Well, I have, I have, a, I just have a lot of them. Yeah, I, I suspect you do. <laughs> was, was just was just two days ago. This carpenter calls up and he says, you know, the guy never paid me. You know, the, the, the contractor went broke. He went bust. He hasn't paid me since August. And I said, I said, how much does he owe you? He says, $10,000. And I already paid the contractor the 10000 The contractor walked. You know what I mean? And so I said, well, I'll pay, you. I'll pay it for you. So I paid twice. And that's called doing the right thing rather than being right. Legally, I didn't, I didn't have to pay him anything. But I said, I will pay it to you. Although I got, you know, I got what I wanted. I have a house and all that. He was building a property for me. But he never got paid. The contractor ran away, which happens all the time. And I said, okay, I'll pay you twice. Huh. And he must have been so, what did he say when you told him that? Did he just fall over? (laughs) He cried. He says, I have seven children. It's Christmas. I said, I understand. Mm. Been there. I've been there too. You know, I mean, I've been him before too. You know, I had one partner run off with twelve million dollars. I had to pay the bills. So those are those moments that define who you are. You Absolutely. Know yes, yes, it's yes. It's not my wins. It's who I what who I am when I'm down. That's when I find out who I am. Well, Robert, I assume you have several habits that keep you financially fit, that keep you thinking the way that you do and and steering your money in the right direction. What would you say is one financial habit that you have? It could be daily, it could be less frequent, uh, but you are conscious of it and you and you like to do it to help manage your money. I have, uh, you know, a rich, the Rich Dad Company. Yes. And once a month, or we have meetings every week, but once a month I hand out a financial article on the economy and the entire company discusses it, studies it, and you know, it costs me a lot of money. It's two hours out of a day. That's a lot of people, a lot of time, a lot of money. 
but by studying with my company and my friends, we stay abreast. For example, a while ago, we studied the Swiss franc, and before that, we studied Keynesian economics, and just recently, we studied the the collapse of the Zimbabwe dollar and the Economist article. So even though most of my employees really have had no financial education, what we do is we study as a group on a regular basis and we discuss. There's no right answers or wrong answers. Everybody's allowed their point of view, but we constantly study because everything is changing so fast right now that you're either getting ahead or you're falling behind. There is no neutral anymore. Mm. We're in the 21st century, but most people are still doing business in the 20th century. Yeah. So that's why we study constantly, and that's a habit. You know, for listeners, you can do this solo. You can do this with your partner. Oh. I, you know, you can read the, Yeah, it costs you nothing, exactly. All right, this is a, almost towards the end of the interview now. We're going to do something fun. Robert, if you're with me, uh, what I like to do here is I start off a sentence, and then you finish it. And just the first okay. thing that comes to your mind, okay? Okay. If I won the lottery tomorrow, say... A hundred million dollars. The first thing I would do is I'd leverage it. I'd borrow ten. I'd borrow another billion billion behind it. And what I'd would you? It. And and what would you? Where would you invest? That's a, it's a very good question. I'm always looking at the next investment. Like right now, I have about not a hundred, but I have about ten million dollars to invest. That means I'm going to borrow a hundred million. I leverage up ten times. Mm. So that means I have to find a $100 million investment now. So I'm always investing when I don't have the money, but I'm anticipating the money coming in. So right now, I you know I have this money sitting there. I don't touch it, but I'm looking for a $100 million investment now. All right, listeners, if you've got something attractive to present to Robert Kiyosaki, okay, the one thing that you spend your money on that allows you to make your life easier or better is? My education. I'm constantly studying. I'm reading books constantly, and they don't cost about 20 bucks, you know. I have very smart friends. I have my advisor friends. They're all young guys. They're all entrepreneurs, all multimillionaires. My friends and I all study together. We all, we all know our financials. I mean, we all show each other our financials. If somebody has a bad financial, they're not our friend. I, I really do not have time for people who do not pay attention to their money. Mm. It's because they'll, they'll just get, you know, it's a waste of my time. And uh, I, eat, I, sh- I share what I know. I make everything I know available. But I don't want to stun and try to hold your hand. What What are you reading right now, may I ask? It's a, it's a story of the collapse of Zimbabwe, the, the Zimbabwe dollar. Mm. It started going down in 1997 and finally collapsed in 2008. But that's why in 2004 I was in, in Zimbabwe studying the collapse of the Zim dollar. And that's why I said the economist in 2014 said the euro will collapse next. And the ruble is collapsing as we speak and so is the yen. So I'm studying uh, currency collapses right now. My biggest guilty pleasure that I spend probably too much money on is? Uh, I really don't know. Oh, my Ferraris. I have several Ferraris. Several Ferraris. Okay, yeah. Well, understand, it's not, it's, uh, I, I write about it in Second Chance. If I want a new Ferrari, I have to go and invest. And my investment or the asset pays for the Ferrari. I don't pay for it. So my last, my last Ferrari, I bought a 400-unit apartment house, and it bought my Ferrari. Many people buy Ferraris and get poor. I buy Ferraris and get richer. Because <laughs> you have that's a why I went, right. That's why I went back to it starts between your ears. You know. 
because you have a plan. <laughs> one, I've been listening. I've been listening. I've been taking notes. Now, one thing that you wish you had known about money growing up is? Um, I really don't have much of that. Every time I lose money, it's because something I did not know. So, like, I didn't know I was such a sucker. You know, I thought my, my CFO was an honest guy, but he wasn't. You know, it's, it's really, it's, you know, we've all had our disappointments and friends and all that. We trust somebody and they disappoint you. That's probably the biggest one. Yeah. But how do you learn that? You know, you just it's life experience. You have, to lo- you have to live to learn that. Another great question. The lesson I've learned over time is that from every bad person has come a good person. Mm. Like this, this one guy I was doing business with, his name was Hayden. And he turned out, he went to jail, you know, I said, holy mackerel, how could I, you know, he was honest, he was handsome, he had all the credentials, went to Harvard, and he got taken off to jail, you know, I'm like, holy mackerel. They never, I never have guessed, you know, family man with kids, and, but from Hayden, I met my best partners. Yeah. Well, I would so I would I would go even further and say for every bad person there are 50 great people. Yes. Amen. You know, and but you got to find them. You got to find them, right? And you got to give them a and, chance. And you don't know if they're good or bad until times are bad. You know what I mean? Yes. When I donate money, I like to give to blank because environmental projects. Hmm. My wife gives to wildlife and I give to oceans. Like I give to Greenpeace because I love the ocean. And I'm so money because because I enjoy it. I love I love my life. Mm. I never wanted to be poor like my parents. There's a thing called standard of living. You know, some people are happy in a small house. You know, I've been to Donald Trump's houses and all that. That's above my standard of living. So I just like my lifestyle, but it's expensive lifestyle. Well, Robert Kiyosaki, thank you so much for joining me. The book, everyone, is called Second Chance for Your Money, Your Life, and Our World. Robert, thank you so much. Happy New Year to you and your family and best wishes. And I really hope your your prophecy does not prove true. But in the event that it may, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be doing some homework this year. That's for sure. Yeah, just read The Economist, October 25th, 2014. It says the euro will collapse, and since then the ruble started to collapse, and the yen is starting to collapse. So please pay attention right now. It's not a hope it doesn't come true. If it comes true, what are you going to do about it? That's really the thing. It's not about being right. It's about being prepared. Thank you so much, Robert. Happy New Year. Great. By the way, thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to my guest, Robert Kiyosaki. For more about Robert, check out richdad.com. As always, for the transcript, comments, resources, and links mentioned in this episode, head over to somoneypodcast.com. And I want to hear from you. You know, you can always submit your questions about money, work, life, guests at somoneypodcast.com. And there's a very good chance I'm going to answer it the next weekend. And I love your shout outs. Keep them coming. Tweet me at Farnoosh. Use the hashtag SoMoney. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. Hope your day is so money.